Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangster Chronicles, hosted by MC8 and Big Steel. It's every Thursday, a podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood sub-genres, Gangster Rap. Let's go. Gangster Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to the highly anticipated 100th episode of Tank and Jay Valentine's R&B Money Podcast with artist Chris Brown. Even working with you from Carrie Hilson, Adonis. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, I was 15, 14 doing that album. So like I said, I was in school like, yeah. okay, this is how you do it. This is how you make a song. There's a verse, a pre-chorus, and then a hook. I didn't know none of that. You learned I, that over a summer, bro. That's and what it felt like. That's what it felt like. Listen to R&B Money on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Inside the Studio, presented by iHeartRadio. I'm your host, Joe Levy. Okay, so this time on the home edition of the show, we've got an exceptionally personal and fascinating interview with JoJo about her exceptionally personal and truly raw album, Good to Know. And JoJo talks about her career, her bad habits, the relationship that inspired Good to Know, what it was like to have a number one song with her first single when she was 13, what it's like to still be getting to know herself at 29. There's also some talk about chakras. You know, there's a a track on Good to Know called Pedialyte that has one of my favorite lyrics in recent memory, which is, good afternoon, feeling bad still, I need a prayer and an Advil. And of course, that's really about recovering after a night out. But during lockdown, a lot of pretty sober afternoons felt exactly that way. And we started the home edition of Inside the Studio to let you know how the pandemic has impacted the lives of artists and how it's affecting the way they make music. Jojo, who released an acoustic version of Good to Know in July that was recorded entirely during lockdown, really gets into all of this with our quarantine correspondent, Jordan Runtop. So if you enjoy this episode, be sure to check out the iHeartRadio podcast that Jordan hosts. It's called Rivals, Music's Greatest Feuds, and it is available wherever you get your podcasts. Everybody, my name is Jordan Runtog, but enough about me. My guest today has one of the biggest, baddest voices on the planet. She always did, even when she was just a teenager. She had her first hit at age 13 with 2004's Leave Get Out, making her the youngest person at that point to score a number one. Her highly publicized battle with a record label kept her out of the spotlight for far too long, but now she's back with a new album, Good to Know. The Soulful Sensual Collection is her most personal work to date, detailing her journey from self-medication to self-love. 
The music is born out of her own trials, tribulations, and uh, I think I've read trips to strip clubs near the recording studio, I believe. I'm so <laughs> thrilled to welcome JoJo. Thank you so much for taking the time. I'm so happy to be with you, Jordan. Oh my gosh, so, so many questions, but I gotta say, the first time I listened to your new record, I, it was the streaming version. I hit play, and the first words I heard you sing on So Bad were, look at me now, and I just thought, hell yeah. I mean, you know, you can say that again. It's an album with three acts, three chapters. Can you walk me through each one, how you structured it? Yeah, and, and it was definitely intentional, that, that first lyric that, that kind of opened up the album, because the, uh, when I came into this process of... Uh, putting the album together and starting writing for it, I was deeply uncomfortable with myself, wanting to get out of my own skin, feeling a lot of shame, feeling a lot of guilt, regret about uh, the way I handle things in my like relationship life and just feeling like I was a bad woman, like a bad girl. And I, I was just, again, ashamed. So I could kind of chronicle the ways in which I uh, manifested that feeling, which is like, you know, kind of, uh, drinking too much and going out and just kind of not, not showing myself the, the most love. And then also like busying myself with, uh, with just different distractions, pretty much wanting to, to get distracted from myself. The, the, the middle of the album finds me realizing that I've never really been alone, never truly been single. And I need that, that time. It's like really important that as uncomfortable as it may be, that it's a necessary experience. And then at the end, kind of realizing that uh, I might make this journey more than once, make the same rotation more than once, but I'm more than capable. Matter of fact, I love myself. I'm, I'm strong, I'm resilient, and, and just feeling empowered toward the end of it. So this journey you go through on the album, you were going through that in real time as you were writing these, like when you started with, with bad habits and things like that, you really felt that way in that moment when you were writing it? Totally, because I, I just wanted to stay busy so I wouldn't have to really think about what I was feeling. You know, sometimes we run from our feelings by whatever it may be, by just more, 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 more stimulation. And what's been so interesting about this pandemic that we're all living through is that there's no opportunity for d distraction. You know, really, we, we like are forced to take a look in, inside and at what's around us, we just can't look away. 2020 no. has made our vision so clear. <laughs> and it's just interesting that I was, I was kind of already on a journey inward and just um, taking a lot of accountability within myself. I think there was a quote uh, that you said, where you, you said you were looking at yourself and you said a reckoning needed to happen. What prompted that reckoning in your life? Honestly, I cheated on my best friend. Like we were in a relationship and I... I used a lot of the same like coping mechanisms of distraction and attention and all these things. And I just, I really messed up and it, it was like a catastrophic personal change in my life when this person totally cut me off. There was no talking about it. I was just like, wow, I can't just be out here doing whatever reckless with my heart and other people's. And I, I was just like, I have to grow up. I have to, really look and be like, what kind of person do you want to be? Like, I know I'm a great friend. I know I, I can be 
reliable, but like what type of woman do you really want to be? And one of my favorite tracks on the album, I think, relates to this, Think About You. It's, it's such a raw song. I think it's my favorite track on the album. What does that song mean to you? Where did that come from? That came from that, the end of that relationship that I was mentioning. Um, and it is super raw and like very almost desperately vulnerable. And that's, that's just, it was kind of like a journal excerpt. And um, that was my first time working with my producer, Lido. And I had been a, a big fan of what I had heard him do with Halsey and with his own material. And he's just, I think he's a genius. And um, we connected instantly because I just like had these metaphorical, like open wounds. Um, Cause I was just like, how am I ever going to move on? Like I, I keep, just beating myself up about this, I was still very much in that shame spiral. And um, and I, I hadn't forgiven myself, even if he had forgiven me, you know, the, the other person on the other side of the relationship. Oh, and I, I listened to Small Things, which sort of is a follow-on from that too, about all the little things that, that you know, remind you of this other person. That song was incredible because it just is so relatable. We've all been there. Like you, you can't even sit up straight because you're thinking of uh. this other person. Oh, it's it's so visceral and and sometimes it's just what I love about music in general is that everybody will listen to one song and and like relate their own life to it. So it might not be a romantic relationship, but it might be just that you're not over something and you're acting like everything is okay. You know, maybe you had some type of experience that that shook you or changed you, and you're just trying to move on from it but maybe you haven't fully dealt with it and that can be and sometimes something can trigger you out of nowhere and just re- make you realize whoa this is still very much present in my in my body in my in my heart you move through it and the, the first single from the album man i love especially i love the, the title because it's not really about another man at all it's about you it's and deceptive. what you want yeah <laughs> exactly it's me taking a moment and feeling like, okay, yo, I'm live. I really dig myself right now. I have, I'm in process. I'm certainly not perfect, but I do recognize everything that I bring to my own table. And I, it's, it's more than enough. And I'm saying, I'm really enjoying this time with myself. So if I'm going to break out of this very delicious self-partnership that I have going on, then it's going <laughs> to really take somebody incredibly special, strong, powerful to to move me. You know, I really enjoy stretching out and having my whole bed right now. So that's, that's it. (laughs) (laughs) I I was listening to the album and I was trying to figure out, and maybe it's both. Is this album more about moving beyond bad habits or is it about accepting yourself flaws and all, or is it both? I think it's both. Um, because for people with like addictive personalities or, or people that can just have this tendency to want more or to get really obsessed over things, this is probably a lifelong struggle like whether it's but I think we just find healthier ways of focusing that attention and so am I going to be like have I removed all bad habits from my life hell no like I'm still you know I still be messing up all the time but um (laughs) I just don't I I think this this album is just about getting better that's a beautiful way to put it I you know I, I I was thinking just having a career in entertainment has got to be so tough because I, I feel like that more than almost any other career I can think of, you get so much of your self-worth from external sources, either yeah. fans or critics or, or label executives. That has to be really tough to deal with. How do you combat something like that? 
Ooh, I don't know. I, I think you just have to think about yourself as multifaceted and build mm. up those other facets of yourself. And that was something that I had to grow through as well. And it was like really uncomfortable because when you get the messaging that your self-worth is predicated on, it's just, it's, it's crazy. My first single went number one, you know, it was the number one pop record when I was 13 and you can't get any higher than that. So it's, it's interesting to kind of like adjust. Okay. So what is success? What is happiness? What is sustainable? Like, who are you when nobody's looking? What are people going to say at your intimate birthday dinner? What are they going to say at your funeral? Like I, I just started thinking about all these things, like, because we are more than numbers and statistics and we're, people and we're I don't know it took me so many self-help books and therapy and all this stuff to really believe that I think I read an interview where you said you're more spiritual at this point in your life than you ever thought you would be like well, how, how did you get to that place so many people don't so many people don't even get close um well I grew up Catholic so I, I love like rituals and tradition I think that's really beautiful but I um so I had that that background of like knowing a higher power and I think just through yoga meditation I found that these things really really helped me and the the books that I was reading the the podcast I was listening to the YouTube clips or whatever it was just really expanding my mind to realize that not only is there not only am I like feeling this and it's something I can't describe but there is science behind it um so I think that linking your breath to movement. And I, I just, I think I appreciate the little things more and I find God in all those. I try to be in the moment and it just feels better. I wanted to ask you about the, uh, your album cover. I don't think I've ever asked this, but I know that the, the colors on the album cover, orange has a great deal of significance to you with, uh, with chakras, I believe. Oh God, I am no chakra expert by any friggin' means, but I am very interested in the energetic centers of the body. And I was abstinent while I was writing this album and I really wanted to like hone in on my um, my sensuality, my sexuality and creativity. And that apparently comes from the same energy center and it's represented, um, by the color orange. And that also represents, you know, rebirth, regeneration and creativity. And I've just been really feeling the color orange because I, I love seeing it in the sunsets and the sunrises. Uh, it just, it makes me very happy. My my stepmom's a Reiki master, so I really wanted to ask you about that. I was fascinated oh, to see what wow. you say about that. Wow. Oh, yeah, a lot, lot of chakra talk around these parts. I bet. <laughs> so you, you, you drop your album, Good to Know, in May, and then in mid-July, you drop an acoustic version. How did that come about? Was that all recorded in lockdown, or were those early demos? Or The acoustic was recorded in lockdown, but the um, album was all done before that. So we stuck to the plan of releasing it you know, in, uh, in March. If it, that's when it came out, right? <laughs> so March, March. There's was was an yeah. M in it. There's an yeah, M in the month. Yeah. That much I know. Yeah. Yeah. So the, 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 so good to know came out right in the beginning of, of lockdown. And then, and then the, uh, the acoustic came later, but I didn't want to, it was really important to me that I could stay consistent for my fans. Like I told them it was coming out at this time. I wanted to put it out at this time. I like there's been so much that I can't control within my career that I just I felt like we're all hunkered down and I know I could use some music right now but then the acoustic came and I just felt like the songs 
can stand alone, like just stripped down with a vocal and, and one instrument. So I wanted to, I just wanted to express it in a different way, especially since I can't go on tour right now. Like, like nobody can. You mentioned that Good to Know was so much about your own relationship with yourself and getting to know yourself and, and be alone with yourself. And then quarantine happened. Uh, <laughs> How, what have you learned about yourself in this period? What have I learned? I'm much more nurturing than I thought I was. Like, I really love making food for people and, like, uh, take, like, keeping my home a certain way or, like, dropping cookies off to people. I'm like, I don't Aww. know when I turned into this person, but, like, that brings me so much joy. I, I realize, I guess, that I'm creative in, in other ways. And that being bored is actually maybe good for us like we don't need to be constantly stimulated we don't need to be on social media constantly i, I still need to learn that because i do spend too much time just still scrolling but yeah there's there's nothing to be afraid of in, in my own company it'd be something i've learned and you're in in california with your mom what do you what do you both like to do together yes it's been really cool i try out new recipes on her because i'm super passionate about vegan cooking and baking and um we walk my dog. Her name is Agape. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia, starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangster Chronicles podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, gangster rap. Hosted by MC8 and Big Steels every Thursday, each episode provides an in-depth exploration into the formative artists, monumental albums, and socio-political factors that have shaped gangster rap from its emergence in the 80s to its enduring impact today. Gangster Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form. We dive into the socio-cultural aspects that gangster rap boldly addressed, from police brutality to systemic racism, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the profound cultural significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's go. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stan the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. 
so many people, I mean, yourself included, are cooking, doing puzzles during lockdown. You also filmed a music video, which oh, not yeah, many people I, I know. Oh my gosh, with, with Zelda Williams. How did that go down? Was that, I assume you had to do like all of it yourselves, right? Yeah, Zelda is one of my best friends. We met um, when I was 15 and I played her dad's daughter in RV and we met at the premiere. And she's like my first LA friend and like kind of taught me how to, showed me LA pretty much. So we've been friends for what feels like forever. And I love her eye. She's, she's a great creative all around. And she had directed a music video for me um, on my like on a previous project called save my soul and because i know her so well and i know how stringent she was being about covid i felt like uh i could feel confident in going over to her house and we literally shot it just me her and one other person wow um, and yeah, we did everything outside we used natural sunlight it's just really amazing what you can do with very, very little and just a desire. Oh, it looked incredible. I mean, I, I, I'd seen them and I had no idea. I assumed you made them like months and months in advance before all this went down. And then I like, I realized the backstory was just like three of you. It's incredible. Yeah. It's absolutely Thanks. amazing. I, it feels nice to find ways around things that are a little bit challenging, you know? A lot I mean, of are very challenging, are very challenging, yeah. <laughs> Have you been writing a lot of music during this time? I've been writing some Christmas songs, actually. So it's, it's interesting to be, you know, writing icy, cozy fireplace songs when it's like blazing outside. A little Christmas in July action. <laughs> exactly. Um, so been been doing that and it's been, I've been writing more poetry than full form songs. And that's been nice because I used to do that a lot as a kid. And it's just a good exercise. Um, and kind of like a good brain purge. Do you consider yourself a homebody? Like, do you get more inspiration looking inward or looking outward? Um, I can find inspiration almost anywhere. Like, I... Good answer. I do like to be around people, though. I, I like to be in... I love traveling. I, I love being on the road. I, I miss that. But I'm also not going to make an excuse as if I can't be inspired unless I'm, you know, in another place. So I'm trying to, trying to find the vibes. I loved your special quarantine version of uh, leave, get out, chill, stay in. <laughs> that was so amazing. <laughs> that was inspired by, um, I was doing a live stream and one of my fans like wrote in the comments, it was like, stay in right now, sung to the, um, you know, tune of Leave Get Out. And I'm like, aha, that's so smart. <laughs> I was like, yo, there's something there. So I just went ahead and, and wrote the rest of it. And it just feels good to, you know, to laugh. I'm glad some people got a smile out of it. I feel like your fans are are more fiercely loyal than most because of, you know, everything you, you've been oh my through. God. Aren't and they they, amazing? They're incredible. Like, what's it been like staying connected to them throughout all of this quarantine lockdown stuff? <sighs> it's been, I mean friggin' awesome. It's it's like how we've stayed connected through everything. We've a lot of us have grown up together and we're going through a lot of uh, the same things in our respective places of where we live and um, just trying to figure out life. 
I've been listening to and watching some of the covers you've been posting on social media, D'Angelo, TLC. I, I think one time you just sang the word hello and it still made my jaw drop. Uh, this begs the question, what are you doing to keep your voice that strong? It's amazing. Are you doing warm-ups every day? Are you doing like Zoom sessions with a vocal coach? Oh, thank you so much. I have um, been getting back to basics and kind of like doing scales at the piano, but I don't warm up every day. Before I record, I do some vocalizations, if you will. Um, but I've also just been going back and listening to some of my favorite singers and trying to impersonate them. That's how I started when I was really? a kid. I tried, to, I tried to sound like Aretha Franklin or Whitney Houston or Mariah Carey. And now I'm finding that same passion for like, for recreating sounds. I saw that a couple months back, you spoke on a panel for the Grammy Museum about Amy Winehouse, one of my all-time favorite artists. What does she mean to you? Did you ever get a chance to meet her or perform with her? I never got a chance to meet her. And I remember when I discovered her first album, Frank, it was after Back to Black had already come out. And I think it was after she passed away. And I was the same age that she was when she wrote it and put it out. And I was just like, yo, this girl is killing me softly with her words. Like she is drumming my pain right now. Like I just feel everything that she was saying. Um, and it was, she just had a way of, uh, she was so vivid with her storytelling and so raw. And I just loved, I loved everything about how giving she was with her artistry. And it's just so friggin' unfair what fame can do to, a you know, a, a sensitive soul that is just pure and yeah, but, but her music continues to just blow my mind and it's something that can continue to unravel. Like, you know, when you arrive, when you go back to it and listen to it at different years in your life, there's still so much to, to take from it. I think. I haven't thought about that with Frank and good to know. I see them as, as very similar. I mean, some of her songs, like I've heard love is blind or, uh, or take the box. I mean, the, the lyrics, they're so funny. They're so brutal and bruising at points, but you just want to, you feel like you know her, you want to give her a hug. It's, it's incredible. Yes, that's such a good point. I mean, she's a type of writer that I look up to. She's so inspirational and aspirational. And I think she kind of continues in a line of female songwriters like Joni Mitchell, who were never concerned about looking uh, like the perfect woman, whatever that, you know, is thought to be. But like meaning uh, they were, they mess up, they're horny, they're hungry for more, they're dissatisfied, they're irrational, they're, you know, all these things that we can be while we are also worthy. Uh, you know what I mean? So I just loved, I loved that all of those things existed within the, her writing. Was there a lightning bolt moment for you when you knew that you w didn't want to just be a musical appreciator? You wanted to be somebody who made it yourself? I don't know if there was a lightning moment, but um, I just remember being in the living room and watching my favorite divas on the TV on like VH1 Divas Live or something like yeah. that. And being like, I want that. Like, I want to have big hair and I want to wear a little dress and I want to sing. Um, and it was, you know, Mariah and Whitney and Celine and uh, Tina Turner, Shaka Khan, Donna Summer, just all these incredible singers. And I've been singing professionally since I was six. Like that's when I started, uh, that's like when I think I got my first check from, uh, I did like musical theater or something. So 
it's hard to think back and remember a specific lightning moment, but shoot, once once I was struck, I was just like, yo, you can't get me away from this. I just love this. I forgot to ask. You met Mariah. Finally. I did. What was that like? That was so special for me. And it really just through her actions and how giving and generous she was with me and the people around her, it, it taught me about um, how you can be larger than life and legendary, but be so grounded and down to earth. And the way she made me feel was she was so present with me. She was so, um, so kind. And I want to give, you know, young artists, younger artists who look up to me that same feeling that she gave me because she made me, she encouraged me even just with her actions and what she had to say. And I just, I really appreciate her. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers, or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia, starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangster Chronicles, a podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, gangster rap. Hosted by MC8 and Big Steels every Thursday, each episode provides an in-depth exploration into the formative artists, monumental albums, and socio-political factors that have shaped gangster rap from its emergence in the 80s to its enduring impact today. Gangsta Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form. We dive into the socio-cultural aspects that gangsta rap boldly addressed, from police brutality to systemic racism, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the profound cultural significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangsta Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's go. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. To younger artists out there, sensitive souls who are, you know, really dying to get in the music industry. What is your advice for them? Well, first I, I would want them to, to get clear on why they want to be in the music industry. Like the music industry is gross. Like, you know what I mean? But music <laughs> is, music is awesome, but the industry is whack. So you have to like 
I do want it for fame because if you do, that is not sustainable. You have to really, really have a, a thick skin and um, and an unwavering belief in yourself. It can waver, but you have to have a resilience, you know. And I understand that feeling when it's like, okay, if I don't do this, I'll never forgive myself, or I'll never start stop questioning what I what could have been had I not just chosen a quote unquote, uh, more guaranteed thing. Nothing in life is guaranteed. So if you love music, you can create a path for yourself. There is, there's no one way to be successful. Um, you don't need to sign to a major label. You can do it yourself. There are so many different avenues in which you can build something really substantial and lucrative. And I would just encourage people to hone in on what it is that makes them special, unique, and be as much of yourself as you can because that's what other human beings are going to connect to. Like it, that resonates in a way that we can't even describe sometimes. What's that Bernadette Peters quote? If you're like everybody else, what do they need you for? Something like oh, that. I love that. It's so true. <laughs> I mean, was there ever a time when you were going through all the stuff you're going through? I don't even want to get into it, but that you ever thought, you know what, the hell with it. This isn't worth it. I'm going to go do something else. Or did you never, was that never even an option for you? You always knew that, that this was it. This is what you were going to do. It's not that it wasn't worth it for me. It's that there was a time where I thought that I would not be able to ever put out music again because of the contract I was under. I didn't own my voice. So I felt like, okay, realistically, you know, when we start thinking realistically, we're like, okay, well, maybe I have to figure out something for my life because what am I going to do? Stay frozen? Like, no, I can't. I have to do something. So I was like, okay, like maybe, you know, I'll go to college, which sounds like a great idea, get a degree, and then maybe I'll become a teacher or maybe, you know, like maybe I'll get deeper into songwriting and I'll, you know, write songs for other artists and both would be a totally cool, fine thing to do. Um, I could have combined my passions for um, travel and culture and done something with that. And I would have made a way, but again, I would have always wondered like, mm. who would I have been if I had continued to develop as an artist? And uh, I'm, I'm glad that I had people around me who didn't let me believe that my dreams were over, you know? And this year, you won a Grammy with P.J. Morton for Say So. Ah! That, that must have been pretty damn validating. That's incredible. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm so thankful to P.J. And I just love how things work out. It's just, it was a very validating moment because I just followed my heart with this one. It was not like any uh, industry masterminding going on. It wasn't like, you know what, let's take this artist and this artist and get them on a smash track together. It was just like, <laughs> I love P.J., there's, we have this mutual respect and uh, he sent me a song. I loved it and people really loved it too. So that felt really nice to be like, sometimes you can just do what feels right yeah. and, and it can work. Oh, congratulations. What, what is next for you? You've got this Christmas project coming up. What else are you working on that you're really excited about and proud of? I have the deluxe version of Good to Know ah. and a couple amazing surprise features that I'm really hype about. Um, and I have a video coming for the single off of the deluxe. And, um, so the, the standard version of the album was only nine songs. And some of my fans were like, what the hell is this? Nine songs. <laughs> so now it's like a complete, this is a full shabam and, uh, a, I'm just super hype about these songs. Like they're, they're so good. So that coming, 
Um, and I'm going to start putting things together for my, my next project. Like I'm just even putting together a vision board and like some, some things, some goals that I want to reach and start putting together my dream team of collaborators. Ooh, can you talk a little bit more about who you want to work with or is it still, so you don't want to, you don't want to speak it. It's like superstitious. Yeah, so. <laughs> I kind of, I kind of do feel a little bit superstitious. I just want to get in the room with these people and, uh, and really camp out and just see what we can do. I know you have a, a, a birthday coming up in December, a milestone one. I had the same one myself, uh, <laughs> really? two, de- two December's ago. Yes. I'm a December oh. baby also. Um, it's always a good time for reflection. I was wondering what, what did the 12 year old who wrote keep on keeping on think they'd be doing at 30? Oh, wow. At 30, when I was 12, I probably thought that I would be, Oh God, I don't know. 30 sounded so distant and old, you know what I mean? And now that I'm here, I'm like, yo, I'm such a baby. So, uh, I probably thought that I would be like Beyonce, whatever that means. (laughs) And, and that I think I thought I would have been like the head of a label or something, which I am actually, I do have my own label Clover. And, um, so I think the only difference is that I thought I'd be married with children. Um, and I'm not Beyonce, but I never will be Beyonce. <laughs> I'm Jojo. <laughs> I'm Jojo and it's pretty dope. Actually. It's pretty just, damn awesome. I don't know if you, you're married or have kids, but I just now it feels like something that, wow, I can't believe that I thought that I'd be there already. Yeah. 30 seems so old when I was 25. And now I'm 32. Right? And I'm like, oh, oh, uh-oh. Now, I, I feel better than ever. So I hope that I just continue to feel this way. Like if JLo is any example of how you can thrive, like just even in any decade, shoot. I mean, she's the prototype. So listen to 12 year old Jojo. Keep on keeping on. Hey, exactly. (laughs) Oh, Jojo, my, my, my last question, I've been asking everybody, this is my last question. Uh, What's the first thing you want to do when this pandemic is over? If you could snap your fingers and have everything go back to normal right now, what would you do? People, trips you want to take, people you want to hug, restaurants you want to go to. What is it for you? Oh, I want to go travel. I want to go see, I want to take a friend's trip. I want to get like all my friends together um, from, from the East Coast, from LA, from Australia, in Europe. I want us all to meet somewhere in the middle, like whether it's, West Africa or whether we go to, you know, New Zealand or I just want to go somewhere, whether we meet up in Hawaii, I would really, really love to be on a beach somewhere and have some great food, some great drinks and great company. And I would really love to travel. Yeah. Jojo, thank you so much for your time, your music. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you. It's been really fun. Thanks. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Inside the Studio Home Edition, a production of iHeartRadio. For more episodes of Inside the Studio and other shows from iHeartRadio, check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome. 
Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangster Chronicles, hosted by MC8 and Big Steel. It's every Thursday, a podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, gangster rap. Let's go. Gangster Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to the highly anticipated 100th episode of Tank and Jay Valentine's R&B Money Podcast with artist Chris Brown. Even working with you from Carrie Hilson, Adonis. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, I was 15, 14 doing that album. So like I said, I was in school like, yeah. okay, this is how you do it. This is how you make a song. There's a verse, a pre-chorus, and then mm-hmm. a hook. I didn't know none of that. You learned I, that over a summer, bro. That's what I, it felt like. That's what it felt like. Listen to R&B Money on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts.